0: Welcome to House Money, the podcast that turns dreams into deeds in the world of real estate investing. Together, we dive into the strategies, successes, and stumbles of everyday people who are new to investing, as well as insights from seasoned subject matter experts. This is where your journey to financial freedom begins. This is House Money. Welcome to House Money. I am Richon Jones, your wealth creating realtor. I am an associate broker with Presidio Real Estate, the GDP group here in the greater Salt Lake area. So glad you are here. So glad you found us. I'm excited to bring you this episode with a good friend of mine, Justin Williams. Justin's here with us. Thank you, Justin, for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to the conversation today.
1: Thanks, Richard, for having me on.
0: If you're listening, if you've listened to the show, um, the past episodes, we've had a number of guests on who have shared their their investment strategy as they, you know, we've had you know, uh, Section Eight housing in Kansas City. Uh, We've had house hacking. We've had we've had different ideas. You know, moving from you know. Just different ideas and different ways people have been investing in real estate, I wanted to bring Justin on because Justin has a very unique strategy in fact, Justin I was thinking about this last night you You are incorporating multiple strategies all at once and and making it work so before we jump into what you're doing, tell us a little about who you are, where you come from um how you ended up in real estate and uh and then we'll kind of jump into maybe some of the specifics of what you're doing
1: for sure um so. Utah, born and raised. Um, uh, Background initially in social work. Um, I have a degree in in social work. I'm a licensed clinician. Um, I guess, uh, you know, getting into real estate, it was, I mean, I didn't really have a plan at that time. It was back in 2012. And uh, basically, I just got with my brother and I said, Hey, let's buy a house, you know, let's, let's do it because it seems like a good idea. I think at that time, I just, I read some random article about why you should buy property. And so I was like, let's, you know, like I said, I just, I just got with my brother and I was like, let's, let's buy a property and see what it's like. Um, and you know, eventually that led me to purchasing more properties. Um, I continued to do, uh, the licensed clinical social work and eventually, as you know, got into uh, some other investments as well.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about those. So I met Justin. I was introduced to Justin actually when um, he was looking to buy one of his properties. Was it 2018, 2019? Something like uh, that, yeah. Somewhere in that range. I remember the house, so I didn't remember when the date was. Yeah. But I remember at that time, you you had a couple of properties. We were buying another one and we had this conversation. And by the way, I, I think anybody who wants to invest regularly in real estate should have the real estate license yeah. uh, for all sorts of reasons. And, and we had that mm-hmm. discussion and ultimately you, you got your real estate license and you joined the team that I was on and we got to sit mm-hmm. next to each other for a year and a half and talk about yeah. real estate every day. It was, it was great. Um, so take, take us through that first property. What was that first property? How long do you still own it? And, and then how long was it before maybe you, you purchased your second property?
1: Yeah. First property uh, was, was in West Valley. Uh, I remember we purchased that for 135,000. Um, now, now I'm, I'm guessing it's in the range of like 450 or something like that. Um, and honestly, it's, it's maybe our best performing property, you know I mean? And that's what, that's what comes with holding properties for so long. Um, so we purchased it as a primary residence and actually what we did, it was kind of like a house hack. Um, my brother actually went and lived there, uh, and we rented out rooms and I was still living somewhere else. And, um, you know, it was an old house. We had to remodel the basement. Um, It was, it was, it needed a lot of work. Um, But yes, we still own it and it cash flows great. And uh, we've converted it to an up and down. So there's a unit upstairs and a unit downstairs. And uh, I don't, you know, looking at it right now, I don't see any reason to sell that thing. It's, It's, it's been a great investment for us.
0: Yeah, and at that purchase price—I mean, I don't know if you know the number, but you—you you probably are pretty close to having it paid off. If you haven't paid it off already, to where you—you're kind of at that stage everybody wants to get to, which is essentially yeah. 100% cash flow because you have no—you have no mortgage on it anymore.
1: Well, we during the, the time when rates were really low, uh, we still had an opportunity to refinance that thing, and so we actually did full cash mm-hmm. in order to buy another prop. I don't even remember. Maybe it was buy another property. Maybe it was use the cash to get. Uh, the franchise, um, mm-hmm. but uh, still, I mean, the mortgage is under two hundred thousand dollars, so we're still in a really good place with it.
0: Yeah, love that, and, and I love what you said too. Like, I mean, I think I think we get this idea of you know how sexy real estate investing can be sometimes, mm-hmm. and, and it can be, it can be fun, and it can be exciting yeah. and like that. But I mean, there's also the um, what is not sexy, which is holding it for a long term, you know, letting yeah. it appreciate over time, letting rents come up over time. But mm-hmm. also, like I said, like there's, there was some work to do to make that house what it is today, you know, adding the basement apartment, you know, just doing some basic work, you know, to, to, you know, to, to get it updated and whatnot. Um, some, you know, some sweat equity there. I think that's a good lesson for anybody wanting to get into real estate that th- there's opportunities for you to, to buy and forget, right? You, you buy it, you yeah. forget it. Um, that's some of my properties. Some of my new construction properties are kind of like that. But on mm-hmm. the other side, there's the, there's the benefit of, of buying, adding some value to it yourself. And, and then just being patient and holding. And I, think, I think you and your brother, and we'll talk about your family dynamics here in a minute here. I think you guys are an amazing example of just having patience and mm-hmm. not jumping in everything. I mean, there were, there were times in the last couple of years where you guys probably could have bought you know, all sorts of properties here and there. And we had conversations yeah. about, should I sell this one and buy you know these two or whatever else? Yeah. Um, but you guys, what, what is the strategy? What are you looking for in a property? Because you guys are so patient and you're so methodical about when to pull the trigger on something or when not to what what's the strategy that you look for uh in your residential property? we'll talk about commercial later but your residential properties
1: yeah um yeah i mean i would certainly say that we are all except for maybe where i live now it's been all non sexy properties you know like we we've lived in when, when my brother first moved into that house you know it was not like in great shape you know it was it was a bit of a sacrifice to to move from where we were living at that time, we were young. We were still living uh, at our mom's house, which is a nicer house. And, you know, I know he was it, was. it was tough to live in there for a while, you know. And then when we purchased our second, so I guess basically the the strategy we used is, you know, we lived in that one for, or we owned that one for about, I don't know, maybe three or four years. And then we purchased um, a duplex in Mill Creek. And again, as a primary residence with low money down. And that's essentially what we've done, you know, as much as we can over time, uh, is just purchasing with low money down and very unsexy houses, you know, like, you know, the, the Mill Creek duplex that we bought. I mean, my brother and I were basically living in a construction zone for seven months, you know, like, like basically it was like our bedrooms were okay and the bathroom was okay. But outside of that, it was just like dusty and dirty and like we had to do work and, the reason for that is mostly just because, we, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have the money to just come in and just remodel it to perfection. You know, we had to do it over time. And, um, I suppose that you could say the strategy is also just consistency. You know, it's like, okay, get a property and, and then maybe wait a couple of years and try to increase your income over that time. And in a couple of years, get another property that's unsexy again. And then just keep doing that over time. And obviously, like I said, like our, our incomes have increased significantly. And then you start to build equity, you know, so you have an opportunity to cash out or you have an opportunity to pull HELOC. And the time to me is what enables you to get more properties easily because again, you have the equity and your incomes have increased and things like that. And so, yeah, I, I mean, if we have a strategy, it's slow money down it, as much as possible. Um, and getting into something that we can add value. And, um, uh, more recently we've been able to get into bigger stuff with more opportunity, but still we're looking for stuff where we can value add.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And we, I I had a guest on a mutual friend of ours, Taylor, um, a a couple of weeks ago. And he's, he said the same thing. He was talking about you know, this idea of delayed gratification and patience and just mm-hmm. letting, letting real estate do what real estate does, which is appreciate over time and rents appreciate over time. And if we can add value to it, great. Um, but being, being um, measured in our, our excitement yeah. to go buy everything and maybe getting into a bad deal because we're so excited and we, we feel like this is the last great deal that's ever gonna come along. We have to take advantage yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this idea of just, of just patience and knowing your goals and knowing your numbers and knowing what your risk level is and you know the time you could actually put into a property you know if you don't have the Mm -hmm. time to to put into a property to to update or to remodel it is it just going to sit without tenants or you know are you going to sit in a construction zone or whatever it is for longer than you than you than you're able to Mm -hmm. so i love that um so you bought the you bought the single first house you bought the duplex we helped you buy uh we helped you buy the 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 other house that where I met you, which is an up and down, again, you have two tenants in that, in that house there. And yeah. tell, me about, tell me about the fourplex you're, you're currently sitting in, you're currently living in.
1: Yeah, so again, uh, the delayed gratification enabled us to go for something more of what we really wanted, right? Um, and so we, all of us, my mom and my brother and I, we uh, wanted to live closer to downtown, um, near Liberty Park and uh it was 2020 right after covid hit uh that we saw this property come up it was a fourplex in liberty wells and it was a perfect location uh the building again was not sexy you know it was it was a lot of work um but it got us a lot of what we wanted and by that time again we had some equity to put to to put more money down because it was a more expensive property and um and so we purchased that again as a primary residence and uh, my mom lives in the unit, my brother lives in the unit, and then we have a tenant in another unit and it took us a solid uh, year to get it to, you know, uh, to be pretty nice. And now, now it's, you know, it's where I'm living right now. And um, we've essentially completely remodeled it. There's still a lot that needs to be done. Um, but yeah, we're, we're here now and we love it like seriously. And there's still work to do. and It took, you know, from 2012 to 2020, it took eight years of consistency to really get into a place that we really wanted to be. But again, I would say for sure it was a sacrifice. You know, I I think we could have we could have purchased something that was more expensive and and nicer. Um, But uh, I think that sometimes that disables you from being able to be consistent and getting another one in one to two years.
0: Sure. So um, on my scorecard here, I have a single family residence that you've created so basically an ADU on in that uh-huh. property, a duplex, another single family residence where you've created an ADU and now a fourplex that you've essentially yeah. house, except for, the, except for the third property, you've essentially house hacked all of them. You've lived in them, low down payments. Um, you've added value to each one of them. And so, uh-huh. I mean, do you have, do you have more doors than that? I count 10 doors there. Do you have, do you have other properties as well?
1: We got up to 18. Uh,
0: aside from the franchise stuff.
1: Yeah, we got up to 18 doors. I believe it was 18. Uh, it was a uh, single family ADU, single family ADU, single family ADU, uh, single family ADU, because we converted my mom's house into an ADU as well. Um, and then a duplex and a fourplex. And there was. Uh, I have a, another property with another partner, my brother and I, that is a single-family ADU, and uh, I think another duplex that we eventually sold. So I, I believe we got up to 18 doors, and now, I, now we're at, uh, I think, 12.
0: 12. And, and we'll talk yeah. about why that is here in just a second here. So, so your, your, your situation is a little bit unique, and, and we haven't had anybody on the show to this point that has been doing what you're doing, and that, that is a partnership. And we'll talk about the dynamics of your partnership here, but I would just advise or maybe recommend or, or whatever word you want to use. If, if you're listening and you don't have the means or the wherewithal or the ability to go buy a property yourself, by all means, find a partner, find someone Mm -hmm. who can help you, who you can partner with. Maybe they're going to do the rehab work and you're going to pay for it or whatever it might, maybe they're going to live it in and you're going to finance it, whatever it is. Um, There is no shame in, in partnering in -hmm. order to purchase properties. Um, your partnership's a little bit unique in that it's you, your brother, and your mom, and then you, I know you have yeah. one property that has a, has another partner but talk about the dynamics of of having a family partnership what is are you all on the same page is there a is there an overall family goal is, you know how do you divide that up as far as the cash flow or just talk about how that sort of came together and and how you manage that from you know sort of from a day to day perspective
1: yeah, I mean, I would say even for myself you know and i think I, i've done pretty well income-wise, but still, it was necessary for me to have a partner. Um, I could not have done what I have done without partners. Um, I don't have one property by myself. Um, I am lucky, I will say, because my brother's awesome. He's really easy to work with, and and we've never really had any issues. And uh, my mom, we kind of asked her to get involved later on because it, again, just enable us with three incomes now to, to do more. Um, and so we've been able to make that work. Uh, I would say in terms of like the responsibilities of that partnership uh, for myself, I'm, I'm more of the, I'm working with, you know, like I was working with the agents before uh, I became an agent and I was working with the financing and I was providing a little bit more of the money. Uh, and then my brother, Tony, he was getting in there and doing a lot of the work. Um, that is not my thing, and I'm not even really capable of doing that. I think Tony would tell you that he wouldn't want me to help because I would just mess stuff up. Um, he he hasn't called me either, and that there's a good reason for that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and for him, he he probably wants to stay away from the financing and the and working with agents and in identifying properties. Like that's not his thing, and so. Luckily, like I have a skill that he doesn't necessarily have, and he has skills that I don't necessarily have, and so it worked out perfectly and Certainly, there were times along the way where he felt like, "Okay, we should add this, and I was like no it's not it's not worth it, it's not worth the investment but you know we were always able to come to some sort of an agreement in the middle, and we made it work and For my mom, you know she's she's uh um i mean again, she's just a person who I mean, she instilled, you know, the the hard work and um, just, the, I guess, um, the drive that we have. And so, you know, she's, I guess you could say sort of like a passive investor, you know, but working with her, it was kind of like, all right, if you can help us with some of your equity or with money, then we will find a place that you want to live and we can all live there together, which is what we wanted. Separately, Mm -hmm. but together because we live in the fourplex, but we live separately, right? In in separate Mm -hmm. units. And it worked out because here we are in Liberty Wells. um, And um, this is where we wanted to be. and, And we will probably do that in the future as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. So when you're cash flowing these properties, I mean, is there, are you dividing that cash flow up three ways? Are you reinvesting it into the properties themselves or the properties or what does that look like?
1: It's all been reinvestment. None of us have taken money out in terms of cash flow. If we have, it's been like small, like, like maybe like we'll say, let's go on a vacation or something like that. But it's been minimal, minimal. Like I I would say, it's literally almost nothing that we've taken out because again, we also have our full time incomes, and so, um, essentially what it's enabled us to do is not have living expenses. Like, you know, I don't have a mortgage, you know, and so. When you don't have a mortgage, which is generally your biggest expense, um, you have a lot more money to, you know, discretionary income to do what you want. And so um, we don't take any of that cash flow and, and split it or anything like that. We've just been reinvesting.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's I heard someone's you know, everybody's got their definition of what wealth is, and you know, you mm-hmm. hear different things. And one yeah. of the definitions I heard the other day from somebody was wealth is being able to wake up in the morning and do whatever it is you want to do because you know you have your living expenses taken care of. Yeah,
1: 100%. Like you're, you're, we're, not,
0: we're, not, we're, not, we're not in this mindset of, I have to wake up and figure out how to make money today just to
1: survive. Mm-hmm. And yeah,
0: that, yeah. And, like, and, that's kind of where you guys are at.
1: That's exactly what it's done for us. You know, it just enables us to have more freedom. I think all of us live pretty well under our means, but yeah, it just does gives you, it gives you more freedom and more peace of mind
0: about that so let's talk about your your current venture because you you were you were patient you were buying these properties you were methodical you were strategic uh you were adding value you were reinvesting the cash and then you called me one day and said hey i've got this opportunity in front of me here i I just want to run it by you and i I didn't know what was i thought maybe you found like an apartment complex or something um and what you told me i did not see coming at all but i love it and you you figured out how to work Tell us kind of how you transitioned from, you know, house hacking and these multifamilies and you know, things like that to, to what you're doing now. Cause I think it's, I think it's a place where a lot of people think they want to go. They want to, they want to make that transition to something commercial, but they're not quite sure what to do about it or how to do it or, or even what that world looks like. Cause it is, it is a whole different world. Um, tell us kind of what, what you're doing now and kind of how that transition came to be.
1: Yeah. Um. Beans and brews, I assume is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. So we, we looked into franchising of beans and brews, like literally uh, around the time that we purchased our first home. But at that time we didn't have the capital. We didn't, we don't have the money, you know, it it just, uh, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have qualified and we just kind of dropped it at that time. And didn't think about it, like literally did not even pop up in our heads for 10 years. Honestly, I mean, for me personally i know you know there are people out there who are like i'm just looking for the best return on investment all the time and that's fine but for us it was more like you know this is new and interesting uh we're definitely uh coffee consumers and you know beans and brews is a local company and it was honestly just like we just wanted to try something new and it seemed fun you know like and and obviously you meet with them and you look at the return and they makes and it, and it makes sense you know we know we can make money there if it works out and so yeah back in uh it's been i mean since we signed the contract it's probably been like three years now i'm not sure because it takes it takes a while um to sign an agreement and then find a location and then get it built and then have your store running um but yes, we are now Beans and Brews franchisees. We're approved for four locations. Um, we have two open now. Uh, so this is a long process. Obviously, I mean, four locations can take you a solid five years or, or more, five to seven years, I would say. It just depends. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, it was it was honestly just like, I really kind of felt a little bit bored by, you know, looking for these up and downs. I mean, the opportunity is still there. You know, it's even, I I still look at those properties every day and just like, you know, what's out there, what could I potentially do? But uh, yeah, uh, Beans and Brews franchisees. And it's a totally, it's, I mean, there's some things that are maybe similar, but in reality, it's a totally different world and it was new and fresh and stressful and we're learning. But a, again, this this type of investment investing enables me to do things that are interesting to me, and and that's really why we did it.
0: Yeah, and, and you've sort of taken the same approach as your your house hacking thing, right? You were you were working on the contracts, the, the numbers, you know, working with uh-huh. the different lenders. We'll talk about financing that in a minute here. Tony was, I mean, what Tony's role is? He essentially you know was running the store, you know, getting yep. it up and running. He was there every single day. Um, yeah. I believe he quit his job, right? He quit his job to, to go and work and, you know, basically run the store. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you still were, you both were still very hands-on even though it was commercial instead of residential, which, which I think makes it all, all the better. Um, talk about the differences maybe between purchasing a residential property of any kind really, and, and getting into the, this commercial commercial.
1: Yeah. So, um, Financing is totally different. The process is totally different. Uh we worked with we work with the SBA. Um terms are different. You know, you gotta have more money down and obviously the project costs are different, but essentially when when going into commercial, you know, you take a property or you take a business and you have to estimate what sort of income you get and then based on that the commercial lender or the SBA will approve you for a certain amount of funds. And Uh, The good thing about beans and brews, and one of the reasons that we went into that, is because you know they have an established model. Uh, They have numbers that we can show the SBA and give them an idea of how much money we should make or we expect to make. And so I would say the financing, you know, because financing on residential, it's like you find the property, you identify it, and then, or I'm sorry, you you essentially get approved first, you know, for a certain amount, and then you go find that property. And then you show the, the, they sort of do the underwriting based on that property. But for us, it was like, we, um, the property hadn't been, uh, built out yet. Like the structure was there, but it hadn't been built out. Um, but it, it was, I would say it was a solid three or four months that we have to give, uh, the SBA information, maybe even more. I don't remember now. And, you know, you're giving them, they're a lot more picky. And they look at a lot more stuff that residential doesn't. I would say residential is a lot easier. Um, And yeah, it's, it's just a lot longer and a lot more tedious and you're working with them a lot more for a longer period of time. And, uh, uh, and again, it just depends on each location and how much you think you can make in that location. It depends on the build out. It depends on how much working capital you need. It depends on how much your machinery costs. Like they're looking at all that stuff and they're building that into your loan costs.
0: So if it's important to know your numbers on residential, it's it's that's magnified on a commercial property. You, you have to know your numbers going in.
1: Yes, I would say so. Um, but, I mean, there still is some unknown. I mean, uh, the SBA is taking a risk in that, you know, like, because we have one location in West Haven, Utah, and we have one location in Vegas. And, I mean, you cannot really guess which, you know, what the numbers are going to be in West Haven, Utah versus uh, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. Nevada. And Las Vegas is actually, we're the first location, the first Beans and Brews to open in Vegas. And so it's like, there's a ton of unknown there, right? And so you, I think having West Haven and showing them those numbers did help us, you know, get approved for that second loan. Uh, but also, you know, building in Vegas was much different. It was much more expensive. And so, um, uh, yes, they do they do look at that pretty closely. But again, that's why we franchise because we can show them a lot of data. And there's obviously a lot of success that a business like Beans and Brews works.
0: Yeah. You can, you can show them the, the, it, it's not a proof. It's the proof of concept is already there. It's a matter of, okay, yeah. What are my build out costs? You know, what do I expect? And like that. So I love that you're the first in Vegas. I mean, I, you've got probably some, you don't have the brand recognition that you have maybe here in Utah, where a, there's a beans and brews pretty much every other corner yeah. it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that that's exciting. And and your, your contract is for, for how many ultimately in Las Vegas?
1: Uh, we, our contract is for four locations. And so, Um, I guess our territory right now is Las Vegas, but, uh, it worked out to where we could open one a little quicker. So we went into West Haven and opened that one because it was kind of ready. They had, they had the building in place and things like that, and they offered it to us. And so technically I could do, uh, three in Vegas, but there's also talks of like, if I find an opportunity here in Utah, then I could take on that as well. And so the contract is technically for four locations. It doesn't really matter where it's at.
0: Mm-hmm. Love that. Talk to me a little bit about how you're, so you, you're still on the real estate properties or the residential properties. You've sold a couple of those, you know, to work with the commercial. How do you balance the residential and the commercial as far as should we hold these? Should we sell these? Uh, Cause we've had some conversations about, you know, what, what makes sense with the SBA loans and like that. How do you, how do you look at these properties? Cause there's, they're, different categories of properties now. How do you look at them as an overall portfolio and and evaluate which properties are still meeting the goal and which maybe could be repositioned in a better place?
1: Yeah, so um I find or from what I can see right now, like um real estate has certain benefits that beans and brews does not and Beans and brews has certain benefits that property does not. Um, in, a, in a long-term sense, uh, in terms of being able to use your equity and leverage and some cash flow and tax benefits and mortgage pay down, those are the real estate benefits. Um, beans and brews, I mean, it's valued completely differently. And I don't think it, it, the value doesn't grow over time like a property does. But a beans and brews cash flows way more than a property. Right. And so the re one of the reasons we also did this is that we figured, okay, if we combine real estate and having beans and brews, we can get these benefits of leveraging and all the stuff I talked about with real estate. And in addition to that, we can get a lot more cash flow if we can make some of these beans and brews work. And so that's kind of the goal is that we're going to do both of these. Um, it's because our beans and brews that we own, they're not, we don't own the buildings. So unfortunately I would like to in the future, but we just, again, we don't have the capital to do that yet. You know, you're going from a a, a five or $600,000 build out on West Haven. But if we would have purchased that property, it's like, I don't know, maybe 1.6, 1.7 million or something like that to get it done. And again, we just don't have the money to do that right now. And so in the future, hopefully we can combine those two. Um, But yeah, that's why we, we, we did, the two of those um and i forget your initial question
0: Uh, just how you how you balance it you know as an overall portfolio oh yeah yeah, overall overarching goal how do you you, because i know you sold one property yeah you know to make the cash flow better on on the commercial side
1: yeah yeah so uh we we did sell one property and the reason we we chose that property essentially is because we could avoid capital gains uh we had lived in that place for two of the last five years and so and we had really good equity in it and so it made sense to sell that and use that cash to um increase the cash flow at uh, our first means and first location uh because those SBA loans are only 10 year loans and so if you can pay off a good chunk i mean automatically you know you you uh what do you call it you do they do a recast they or whatever that it. is yeah and then suddenly your cash flow is a lot better right and so um yeah i mean going forward If I have to sell, I will. I I would prefer not to, um, but we have a goal to get these four locations open, and so if that's what it takes, then uh, we'll we'll figure out a way to do that. But but in the long term, I would say my goal as of right now is combine purchasing properties consistently, um, whether that's once every two years or three years or something like just you know, consistently buying these modest properties and and probably adding value, and then hopefully if all goes well, we'll we'll. Open some more beans and rose as well, that way we combine the benefits of both of those investments.
0: So good so I, I love i I love being on the sidelines watching you guys do this because it's it's so fun to watch and and maybe not like super unique, but like it is unique in that you're're yeah. you're, you're able to do it, you're doing it as a family, everybody's mm-hmm. on the same page, you're reinvesting the capital, the cash flow you're you're leveraging up to better cash flowing opportunities that ultimately like in the end like you're probably looking at okay we have we have we've reached that place that everybody wants to you know get to initially which is i have cash flow coming in to basically uh-huh. i don't have to work anymore if i don't want to yeah. is, that, is that ultimately the goal
1: i don't know <laughs> you're you're wired a
0: little differently like i know yeah. you 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 can't sit still you 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 always are doing something but I mean yeah. again, this idea of wealth of being able to wake up in the morning and do whatever it is you want to do knowing your living expenses are taken care of. Yeah. Like, you you you're on your way there, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get asked all the time from uh people like, what's your goal? What's the end goal? Like what number mm-hmm. do you wanna the, have? How much do you wanna make? And I and I've you stayed know, away like, from
0: what's the number question 'cause I know it's not a number for you, but yeah, keep yeah. going.
1: Yeah. Uh but I mean, honestly, I don't know, you know, like I, that maybe that is my nature, you know, like I, um, you know, I went into social work and at that time I wanted to do that. And I, I, I'm fully licensed and I was a full-time therapist for a while and that was good for me and gave me good income. And I'll be honest, I got a little bit bored with it. You know, I just felt like I needed something else. And so I decided, as you know, I went into real estate and became an agent, and said, "You know, this is fun and interesting." And so, I did that, and it enabled me to learn more about real estate and invest more. Um, and for a, for a while, my big goal was, "Okay, I want to buy a fourplex in Liberty Wells," you know, and that was my goal for probably a couple of years. And and we found a, a fourplex in Liberty Wells, and here we are now. And then there came a time where it was like, "You know what? I'm a little bit bored with investing in real estate, and I'm a little bit bored with therapy, and I'm a little bit bored of being an agent." And so. Why don't we try beans and brews? You know, that sounds fun and interesting. And so, I mean, I, I, I mean, my goal is just to do things that are fun and interesting. And of course we do look at the investment side. I mean, there does have to be a return on investment. You know, we, you know, one example of that is like, we thought about just opening our own coffee shop, but the problem with that, I thought was like, you know, that's a huge time investment and you know, you may not expect to see returns for a long time. And so that's why we went with the franchise model because uh, it was coffee that we liked and the model made sense and you could make money. And so we did that. And so um, going forward, I don't even know. I don't know what the goal is, Richin. You know, we, vo- okay. we vo- I
0: think that's okay. Yeah. And, that's, and that's that's where I think a lot of people get, they get stuck. They, they get uh-huh. stuck and they don't start because they don't feel like, I don't yeah. know what the goal looks like. Uh-huh, 20 yeah. years from now 30 years from now because who knows i mean if if you would i mean take take the last 20 years of the real estate residential market and i mean there's been a lot of ups and downs the great recessions in that period you you have the the comeback period the low interest rate period you know the the hyper uh growth in in price period now high interest rate period like there's a lot of variety and volatility in the last 20 years to, to, to ask yeah. someone to be like well what's the goal 20 years from now i just i would say i don't know i guess the same question what's yeah what's your goal rich and you have these different properties like what's the end goal i'm like i don't know i'm just i think like you i think we think similarly it's like let's evaluate where we're at right now yeah and let's figure out what makes sense for the very next property or the very next opportunity and 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 let's you know let's let's be smart about it let's not be reckless with it Mm -hmm. but i i think that's perfectly fine not knowing exactly what the end goal is because we just don't know what the market's going to give us what the opportunities are going to be um Hopefully not, but maybe, you know, what the, what the, um, unforeseen circumstances may be, where maybe we have to pivot a little bit, take Mm -hmm. a step back now and then if we have to. Um, so I think, I think that that's perfectly okay. I had two thoughts as you were talking about that. Um, you've talked about ROI a couple of times. What is, what's your measurement of return on investment? How, how are you calculating that and, and, and evaluating that?
1: I mean, property would be cash on cash return. Um. Uh, that's, that's kind of what we looked at with those the, re- the return that
0: you're making on your money actually invested.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's why we did a lot of up and downs because those, those ones were always, and I think they still are the best cash on cash return. I mean, I know it's different now, but, um, a duplex for example, or a fourplex is just going to be more expensive generally because it is a duplex or fourplex, you know? And so you can get a single family home, in West Valley, uh, for example, that's that's relatively inexpensive compared to like a duplex in, uh, Salt Lake or in, uh, Mill Creek, uh, and you can do some value add and you can cash flow quicker, I would say, um, and then Beans and Bruises is, I would say, it's uh, um, we're still learning what that looks like, and again, it's very, it's different in that you know, again, you know, you can look at our two, uh, businesses. Uh, in West Haven and in Vegas. And it's essentially the same build out, right? Like, you know, you go into a Beans and Roses, they're going to look pretty much the same when you go into them. And the sizes of, of our buildings are very different. But the cost of building those two locations was very different, just a year apart. Um, and there's a lot of things that go into that. Maybe some of it was inflationary. Maybe some of it is like contractors are just more expensive in Vegas. But then you also have to think like, all right, looking into the future, you know, am I going to have more sales in West Haven, Utah or in Vegas? And that's still up for debate, you know, because we just opened in Vegas and we've got some work to do to build those sales over time. But, you know, once Beans and Brews becomes a known brand in, in Vegas, I expect that there's more opportunity there because there's way more people in Vegas than in West Haven. And there's also a higher percentage of people drinking coffee, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to say, I don't know that we have a measure, um, a perfect measure for the franchises. I mean, there are certainly some general things that we look at, but um, uh, yeah, we're still, we're still, you know, sort of trying to figure out what that looks like.
0: Yeah, and you know, on the residential side, I think that cash on cash is my favorite measurement of return as well. I mean, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. we've I've talked about on previous episodes, like I know what my agreement with the bank is. I have an agreement with them, That's that's my mortgage. I have an mm-hmm. interest rate that I'm gonna pay them. That's our side agreement. For everything else, it's how much money did I actually put in to this property yeah. and what is my return on that? Whether that's cash flow or it's not sexy, but principal reduction is a very real return on investment. Uh, yeah. you know, Appreciation is obviously nice. Tax savings, we've talked a lot about on here. Um, yeah. Those are all things that for me, those are all returns on my money. The cash flow is why I see my bank account every month, um, mm-hmm. but those are all different aspects of you know how much I put in $10, how much did I get back? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then that's, for me, I love that measurement. It's, it's simple and it's easy and it allows me to see real quickly. I, I can evaluate multiple opportunities real quickly based on not, you know, what's the interest rate or, you know, what this and that is. It's how much am I returning on the money I put out into the world? So I yeah. love that. Um, yeah. I also love that you, you you've mentioned a couple of times, I got bored doing this. So I went to that, I got bored here. I got, and, and I hope that you're not, um, saying that as if it's a bad thing. I, 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 got, I have a set of five books over here. I have a lot of books behind me over here. I have five books over here that I, I look at and I read at least once a year. And one of them is called Smart Cuts by Shane mm-hmm. Snow. I'm gonna send you a copy of it. Okay. Um, smart Cuts by Shane Snow. And it's he defines a smart cut as a shortcut with integrity. And he talks about this idea of, of hacking the ladder and how we can climb ladders and and. At some point, it makes sense to jump off that ladder onto a different ladder and climb that ladder and jump off yeah. that ladder. And he, it's fascinating he, the examples that he uses as far as um, what has you know through various studies been deemed the most successful or um, effective presidents of the United States versus the other side. And he goes through and he talks about what are the backgrounds of these different presidents and what he found was the presidents with actually the least amount of political experience and the book was written like 2008, the presidents with the least amount of political experience were actually the most successful. Those who, you know, spent a lifetime, you know, climbing the same ladder yeah. their whole life were actually ultimately deemed the least effective. And that's not a political same. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, if you're listening, you can go find the book as well and read it for yourself. But he gives other examples as well of, you know, the right timing or the right opportunity people got off the ladder they were on and jumped onto a different one and he, he really yeah. preaches like this idea of like paying your dues just you know slogging it out in the same thing hoping to like climb the same ladder until you reach the top is actually the most yeah. ineffective way to get to where you want to go yeah. um, versus learn what you need to and when the next opportunity comes along it's okay to jump to the next ladder and and sort of smart cut it's a smart cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um so that's when i hear you say well i got bored doing this and so i went and did that and then i got bored doing that that's what i hear you saying is i i learned i grew i took all that experience i had and now i jumped to a different opportunity that is now excelling me accelerating me forward faster and that and then i got bored doing that and so i jumped to a different ladder which made sense based on everything i was bringing to the table on that mm-hmm. so i love that i think that's that's not where i saw this conversation going but I, I love that you brought that up because i think that's that's an important principle I think for everybody in in investing is that you don't have to just define a strategy from the beginning and stick yep. with it the rest of your life. Like there's, yeah. there's no, there's no points or awards for sticking out in a strategy that maybe no longer works for you or maybe isn't even the best opportunity for you anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I had, I have not heard of that book, but it sounds, uh, I would say, yeah, for sure, very similar to what I've done, because I wouldn't say in any of these things, I'm like, I'm I'm not an expert, you know, um, I think I got some good knowledge in all of them. Uh, but, you know, you know, for example, going from social work to uh, being a real estate agent, a lot of those skills translated really nicely into being an agent, and it en- enabled me to uh, be a better agent, you know, just talking to people and things like that. And uh, going from, uh, managing properties and, um, doing build outs enabled us to be better franchisees, I would say, you know, when we made that transition, right? So you're just, you're just combining all these different skills. And, you know, my brother, before he became our operator for Meads and Brews, he was essentially the operator for Green Bike, the bike share downtown. And it was really the same thing that he was doing, right? Like he's, he's helping, he was managing employees run the day-to-day business of Greenbike. And so he went from that to being the operator of Beans and Rose. And so now he's obviously managing those employees and it's a different product and they're doing different things and you have, have to have different skills within that business. But, um, yeah, I think it translated perfectly for him. And so. Yeah, I would say, I would say that's a big part of it is like, and, and the other thing too is like, it was just opportunity, you know, like, I don't know, there was really never a time where I was like, I want to be a, I want to be a social worker. Honestly, looking back, it was like, I had an opportunity and somebody encouraged me to go to school and become a therapist. And so that's what I did at that time. And it, it got me uh, uh, into something that I really like and uh, that was interesting and challenging and um, it increased my income. And then eventually I made that same transition because of coincidence into real estate. And eventually, again, because of coincidence, some coincidence into Beans and Brews, you know? And so I think for sure, knowing how I am, that could happen again in the future.
0: Sure. And and let's not, let's not overlook the, the, the amount of good you have done as a, as a therapist. And and even, I mean, I know your client base as a real estate agent, I mean, you, you help you help a, a segment of our population that um, not a lot of people know how to help buy homes and help, help navigate that process. So you are definitely yeah. uniquely qualified based on your social work experience to, to help that, that community of, of home buyers. So that, that we shouldn't overlook that. Um, I, I love this. I've got a whole page of notes here that I've taken here um, before I ask you, I'm gonna ask you a question about what advice you would give to someone who is either at the beginning of their real estate journey, or maybe, maybe someone who maybe has a couple of properties and maybe is a little bit bored maybe doesn't know what to do next. Uh, Maybe just some advice to them as far as how you would approach that. Before I ask that though, a couple of takeaways that I I have written down here. Um, One, I have it circled three times because you kept coming back to it, patience. Patience in purchasing properties and jumping to the next opportunity, just patience. I also have circled here consistency. Um, Again, combining the patience with the, Continuing to move forward, continuing to look for the right opportunity—not maybe not even the next opportunity, but the right next opportunity—and yeah. then the, the third thing I have here is where we started to not be afraid of partnering. Uh, yeah. Make sure if it's not family, or maybe if it maybe especially if it's family, but uh, regardless of of what the partnership looks like, you know, making sure that everybody's on the same page. Maybe you have a legal document that you know creates you know what's going to happen if this, if that, uh, but not being afraid to partnership or to to partner. If that's what makes sense for you right now versus you know waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and maybe missing opportunities that could be good for you because you don't feel like you have yeah. enough money or or you you can't take on the risk all by yourself, so those are three things that I'm taking away from this um three things that probably i I need to do better on my own my own investment journey um quite yeah. honestly quite honestly, the partnership one is probably the biggest one I think that's probably the one that's holding me back the most right now is. I've been trying to do it all on my own and I, I've done okay with that. I mean, we have the five properties right now, um, but looking at my next opportunities, I don't know how I get to the next opportunity without partnering. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So let me come back to that and then we'll finish with this. Um, what advice would you give to someone maybe who has a couple of properties, maybe a little, little bit bored? T- talk to me maybe. maybe, maybe I'm that avatar, have a couple of properties, they're doing fine kind of maybe maybe a little bored maybe looking for another opportunity like what what would you have what would you advice would you give to someone like me
1: yeah i mean i mean i say i say this to people all the time um in therapy and in my personal life but there aren't necessarily any right or wrong answers right so if you're somebody who decides you can't jump into real estate then okay you know but understand that that there are some risks associated with that, right? Like building your wealth, it's going to be tougher. Maybe um, if you're a person with a couple of properties and you decide you just want to sit on what you have, you know, there, that's not necessarily a wrong answer, but again, you you, you might be limiting yourself a little bit. Um, so there, there are really risks and, and benefits on, on both sides of that. Um, but for somebody who has a couple of properties um, and I mean, I suppose it depends because for me personally, again, I had properties and I was, I've been, I've been in positions a lot where I'm doing just fine. You know, everything is good. Um, but for, for me personally, I have this sort of craving to go do something else. And oftentimes I I didn't know what that was, but I had something that was interesting to me or, um, that, um, I felt like would be a different challenge. And when you go into any, you know, like, let's just say the fourplex, for example, that was something that was newer for us and a lot more expensive. And, uh, we didn't exactly know what we were getting into at that time, but I mean, you can, you can do your measurements all day long and you can weigh your risk all day long. Uh, and, um, you can think about what it's going to be like all day long, but you just don't know until you try, right? Like, I think, I think that's been our, 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 our strength, you know, it's, I don't think that like, I'm not like the smartest guy who's like, who, who knows exactly how to calculate what the return is going to be and um, how to put everything in place. Like sometimes I have, uh you know, attention to detail sometimes for me personally it can be difficult, but the, I think the difference between me and a lot of other people is that I just tried, right? Like you, again, you can, you can do your, you can weigh your risks all day long, but you just got to get in there and try. And we've made it work that way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for for somebody who has a couple places, I would say, and they're wanting to do something else, it's like um, figure out generally what that is, and then just try. You know, like I, that's that's essentially what I've done. You know, you give it a shot. You know, bet on yourself and and figure it out. You know, because that's that's what we've always done.
0: I love that. And that's this quote will not be unfamiliar to you. We, we preached it on the, our team that we were on together for a couple of years. Uh, the quote is this, action is the greatest teacher there is because it yeah. is the antidote for fear and anxiety and the remedy for indecision. That's from yeah. Joe Stump. He, he runs a company called Buy Referral Only. Um, I'll say it again. Action is the greatest teacher there is because it's the mm-hmm. antidote for fear and anxiety and the remedy for indecision. I think that that's, you embody that I, I, and I love that. Uh, Justin, this has been awesome. I, this is the conversation I hope that we could have, and I have learned so much from it. I appreciate you and, and your, your knowledge and sharing it with us. Um, thank you so much for joining us today on, on our show.
1: Of course. Thank
0: you for having me, Richard. No, so, I hope this episode has been helpful for you. If if you know someone it could be helpful too, would you please share it with them? Leave a review, the star rating on whatever, whatever platform you're on. we love that. Appreciate that try to continue to bring you stories and experiences of people who are killing it in real estate in very different ways. And and Justin has, has, has shared with us a wealth of knowledge today. So hope to go back and listen to it again. And and, and if you have questions, uh, reach out to me and I can, I can maybe put you in touch with Justin personally if it's a specific question. But thank you for joining us today. I love the conversation. We look forward to seeing you next time on House Money. I'm Rich and Jones, your wealth creating realtor, and we'll see you next time.